Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Too bad, you son. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, hello, listeners. This is this is Rule the Roost podcast. Oh fuck me! Have you started recording already? I have done. Yeah, I've thought I'd, I thought I'd surprise you this time. See, give them give them an own natural experience. How you doing, Roger Baines? I'm alright. Love you. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. We can cut it if you want, but I quite like doing it this way. Just going. <laughs> oh, just fucking sneak, sneaking up on me. Yeah, I like it. Like in a dark alley with a chloroform tissue. In my pocket. Well, you, you're good that I don't open my conversation to something like heavily liable and stuff like that, aren't you? Yeah, but, uh, you know, there we go. Let's uh, never do that again. No, we won't, we won't. It's, it's, it's a <laughs> bit of a shit gimmick anyway, isn't it, to be honest? Like, um, how are you doing? I've hey, got a bone to pick with you. I, I listened to last week's um, travesty of a show. <laughs> travesty because I wasn't on it. And uh, he mugging me off with, what's his name? Premier League Owl, with all his million followers, saying I'm lazy, this and that. I'll have you, mate. I will. You keep believing that, mate. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah. Um, how you doing? Um, how are you feeling this week? Uh, you, you getting the Yorkshire Independence Movement rolling, mate, now the Scots are, the Scots are fucking off? I hope so. I'd, I'd well and truly enjoy Yorkshire being an independent state. Uh, first person to actually mention it last night with me granddad. Um, I found it hilarious. <laughs> first person that mentioned it to me were a man that came here wearing 19 years old with £2 in his pocket from India. So <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just uh, an interesting conversation. Although I... this is not, not a political platform, obviously. No, I know. Let's, let's try and avoid it. But... Uh... How uh, how are you feeling about the Sunderland game? Let's cut into the Sunderland game. Let's go into the football. Um, it was all right. It was a good performance. A um, couple of mistakes, really, is what cost us. Um, some some very freaky goals, to be honest, both of them. They weren't really um, ones we should be expecting to concede much more. But um, we, we should have won that game quite comfortably. I mean, when you go away and you, you score twice and you, you hit the bar twice as well as we did, um, then we, sh- we should have been quite comfortable winners in the end. But, uh... Vlad Giric- I didn't actually watch the game. Um, I was in I was in Italy. In case you didn't know, in case anyone didn't know, um, I, was I don't on... think you um, mentioned it on social media at all. Did so I not? Um, no. Oh, well, yeah, I was in Italy. Little little town called Stresa. I'm doing a little Italian hand at the moment as I say that. Um, little town called Stresa, Lake Maggiore, beautiful place. Like uh, genuinely heaven on earth. Um, so I didn't get to. Didn't get to watch the football. Um, You've never been to Huddersfield. I, uh, I might have been to Huddersfield. 
I think I have been to Huddersfield. You, you wouldn't have forgotten if you had been. It's, uh, it's. I can guarantee you, it's a nicer place than Stresser. It's just rugby and punch-ups, isn't it? No, it's a bit smaller than that. And we've got um, Jermaine Beckford. No, Jermaine Beckford hasn't been at Huddersfield for ages. He were at Leeds. He's at, I can't, don't know where he's at now. I think he's just gone to Cardiff or something. Um, our big striker now at Huddersfield's Naki Wells. No fucking clue. Naki Wells. He, he were in that Bradford team that went to. Carling Cup final. Um, their little tricky striker. He's really good. He's Bermudan. Oh, that lad. Yeah, the one that's really expensive on Ultimate Team in FIFA. I know him well. <laughs> I've got real friends, so I don't play FIFA Ultimate Team. Oh, don't lie, Raj. I've seen how many fucking points <laughs> and coins and all that bollocks you got on there. Genuine never played FIFA Ultimate Team. I tend to I pick obscure teams and play on career mode. That's how I enjoy FIFA. Well, FIFA's one of those things for me that I start on like about 11 o'clock at night and then carry on playing till about four in the morning alone. Yeah. Definitely, I was going to say that, that that's definitely the marker of someone that's so much cooler than someone that plays FIFA Ultimate Team that mate. Playing career mode until 4am in the morning. You got yep. me there. You got me there, son. Thank you. Um, yeah, but yeah, I didn't see the game. Um, I heard Kirikesh was quite poor. Was he poor? I think he first came back after injury, so you're not expecting no, don't, him don't, to be... No, don't make it. He's a professional, mate. You're right. He's a professional footballer. You pay your money to 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 sort of be associated with Tottenham, so you can say what you like about him. Was he shit? No. Well, Twitter Twitter doesn't agree with you. Yeah, apparently not. You don't agree with a lot of Twitter, do you? No. What do you think of? Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fire shots. Do you, do you you like football Twitter? Don't you? What's that? They're friends of no. yours, aren't they? No, I've, uh, Rob brought it up with me once and I've never looked at it again. I I'm, don't know what it is. I don't want to know what it is. Yeah, it's very odd. That little, like, I say elitist, but that just that kind of clique of people that seem to call everyone racist or sexist or homophobic um, and produce lots of photoshops, don't they? But I don't know. You, you, you know my least favourite person on Twitter is that... <laughs> <laughs> are we just are we just firing shots? Is that is that what's I, happened? Oh, bearded genius. He, I don't know who he is or what he does, but he's somebody devoid of all comedy. And I wish nothing but like, oh, I've blocked him on every account I have access to, just because I, I can't stand the, <laughs> the the way in which he conducts his his content. It's one it, thing I, I found very very funny the other day. Um, is uh, and this was highlighted to me. I'll, I'll swear. We're doing a really good job of analysing the Sunderland game, by the way. This is right, two, two. <laughs> two, two. <laughs> Who gives a shit um, about Beard of Genius? I, I he uh, I noticed. Um, yeah, well, it was brought to my attention that uh, someone had <laughs> someone had retweeted. I think a guy that writes for Vice had retweeted an old thing of bearded geniuses i think it was an early Moyes tweet when he's basically said something like i'm quietly optimistic about david Moyes' chances something like that nothing it's nothing too muggy but it's just in context now it's quite funny you know he's he's just said something like yeah i'm quietly optimistic about what david Moyes can do with this man united team you know and some kind of hashtag and <laughs> Uh, Bearded Genius just called out this uh, this Vice blogger, just telling him, you know, if you ever come to Old Trafford, I'll fucking lay you out. Like, properly lost his call. Um, and, <laughs> and, yeah, went, went 
full-on keyboard warrior telling him he was... I think he called him a, a cuntish coward and said he'd knock him out or something like that. So it was, yeah, it was, it was quite funny. Um, not that I've ever had a wobbly on social media before, you know. You haven't. You're 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 a pretty cool customer on social media, Roger Baines. Doesn't you? the one the one time I properly threw me toes out of the pram was when AVB got sacked. I had a bit of a wobble that night, but other than that, I'm all right. I'm, yeah, you're all right, aren't you? Yeah, I, I tend to just text you snidely behind people's backs <laughs> <laughs> rather than leave it out all in the open. I'm, I'm slightly too clever for that. Yeah, apparently. I'd, I no, I'd I'd be inclined to agree. Um, like uh, like my little text to you the other night about <laughs> Rob Brown with his chat about mixes. <laughs> Rob, the thing is, because he's such a sweet love man. him. I love Rob. He's a good. Oh, yeah, he's me good too. Man. He's just his. Uh, he, he did a tweet about somebody dropping a, a burial track into a mix, which of anyone else's <laughs> mouth would have just sounded like a passing comment on music, but from him. It was just sounding like the least cool thing anyone could have said. It was just it was like somebody had just taught him what a mix was, so he felt like he had to use the word twice within a tweet. It was it was just it tickled me and I had to bring it up with him. To, to be fair to the lad though, he put his hands up, didn't he, straight away. To be fair I'm sounding like fucking Harry Redknapp here. To be fair to the lad, he put his hands up and he said, you know, you've called me, I'm not cool at all. So <laughs> yeah. you know, what can you do? Yeah, um, lovely but yeah, lad. Sunderland, I mean, what, what can you take from it? Because, I mean it's not been the worst start, really, has it, um, under Pochettino? And you know, Sunderland aren't aren't a team that are just going to roll over and we can just expect to go away and beat them. Um, I think maybe a couple of seasons ago we could have done, but I think now for me, one of, one of the big things I was trying to press during the week, and I got called negative for doing so, is pressing in the fact that we, you know, we're in a very different place to what we were three or four seasons ago now. Um, in that... Not only has the the league changed completely. I mean, when you actually you, you look at kind of the distance between us and the the big four, as it were, um, two three years ago, we were and rightly so considered someone that you know it wouldn't be surprising to see us get into the top four. We were probably on par with in terms of personnel with the likes of kind of like Arsenal, not far off the likes of Chelsea. Not a million miles away from City at that point, um, and even United to to an extent. But now, when you kind of just on a on a pure basis of squad and the type of players they have available to them, I think like you know, even Liverpool now you have to you have to consider as a team that are our superiors again, um, and so finishing kind of seventh isn't isn't a failure of a season I think we need to stop looking at every game like oh if we don't win this or if this, if we draw this or that we're we're, we're not going to get into the top four anymore but I, I think the 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 goalposts have completely shifted we, we, top four is not our focus anymore at least I, I don't think it should be for the time being oh no not this season I think anyone who's trying to think in a realistic sense that we're going to finish in the top four this season setting themselves up for a bit of a fall um like it's between sixth and between fifth and seventh i think is acceptable um at the top end of where we should be finishing um i, I don't know how many times we're gonna have to say that this is a a year for us where it's more important about performance and result because it's it's going to be something we're gonna to have to repeat because i don't think it's a message that many people can really understand um, as we've said before, patience isn't really something that 
comes across in the modern game, is it? It's, so uh, it's it's something that frustrates me greatly because having a meltdown after a performance as good as we were at Sunderland, because on on a, on a different day, you know, one of those two shots that hits the bar goes in and the ball bounces slightly off a, off a slightly different angle off Harry Kane and doesn't go in at the end. So it was hardly like it was a, a turgid affair or anything. Like that. I wasn't wasn't poor by any means. So I um I, I, I was I was pleased with how we played. And um, I actually, I was working at the time the game was on and uh, I was following the game on Twitter um, and then watched it all afterwards. And um, it was just... Well, it's just, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's an unfortunate period of reacclimatization, really, isn't it? You know, and uh, I think one of the the things that I I get the feeling more so about um, is that we... We don't seem to have at the moment a match-winning player. I think you've got the likes of Lalana, uh, Lalana, Lamella, uh, Lalana. Fuck, I'm on about turning to my dad. Lamella, who uh, who has the capacity and potential to be a, a match winner, as it were. Ericsson, who again on his day can be a match winner, but there it, it doesn't feel as as guaranteed as someone like. You know, Berbatov, like Bale, like even Robbie Keane, who we've had in the past, who you can kind of almost expect to pop up in like the 89th, 90th minute and and score that goal. I, I don't know, to me it feels at the moment watching Spurs, like like with tonight against Partizan, there's more that feeling of resignation that, yeah, this is probably going to be nil-nil now. You, you, you can't conceivably see us pulling a goal goal out of the bag I mean even Eric Dyers was a was a surprise and that, that added to the kind of euphoria I guess of his debut goal and the fact we had scored a last minute winner I don't know I don't think it's all doom and gloom I don't I definitely don't mean this in a doom and gloom sense um again I mean like one of the main things that I want to consider is that I haven't spoken to Kat um a few weeks ago um you should listen to to, to the episode if you haven't it's good chat with Kat the head of supporters trust who's you know had assurances from the club that our transfer policy and the way in which we spent this summer was in no way affected by the stadium move. Um, whether or not you, be, you know, choose to believe what the club are telling you is your prerogative. But from the from you know what's available to us, we can say that our transfer policy hasn't been affected by that. And you know what the club have said is that you know they supported Pochettino and the sort of players and figures that he identified that he needed immediately. And I guess at the moment, it's just a case of seeing seeing what he does have in the squad. I mean, you know, we, we spent a hell of... Like, I know it's last year and we need to keep spending to keep up with the clubs, but we did spend a hell of a lot of money last season and we still haven't... You know, I don't think you can ever say that you've seen the best of Lamella or seen the best of Soldado or Paulinho. Um and I mean, as Chadley's showing us at the moment, and he's someone I've derided greatly in the past, that he's, uh, you know, he, he, there is still the capacity for these players to improve. And until we've kind of seen them in this settled system, which is Pochettino's chosen one, then it's a bit harsh to really keep laying into them. I don't know, mate. What, what say you? I think Chadley's going to keep laying into things um, as he goes. Yeah, uh, but that's a, that's a that's a separate topic. He's going to be pulling a few pants down, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is, um, with his teeth. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, 
like I said, there's not much more to add. It's, no. It, we can't expect too much from the season, and it's it's silly to expect otherwise. Um, especially with the parties on game tonight. If you actually take the uh, the way in which that game had to be played in in a horrible pitch and quite a, quite an intimidating stadium, I'd imagine with a front four who've hardly ever played together and and a couple of debut debutants behind them. Is that how you say that word? Debutants. I think so. Yeah, I behind them. Did just say debutants. Debutants, yeah. Uh, uh, Mimi short vowels. Um, yeah, it, it felt a bit odd, really. Um, and a, a draw away in what is probably going to be our hardest game in the group's hardly a, a terrible result. So I'm, I'm a bit perplexed as to why people are uh, just almost searching for some sort of conclusion to make from a game which didn't really need it, to be honest. It was one of those. I think the biggest the biggest takeaway from the Partizan Belgrade game um, is the the horrendous Spurs official fine pre match. Did you happen to see it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was it was like some strange. He recorded it well on some strange LSD trip. I don't know what but it was. It's, but it's just the fact it's so out of time. There's like there's the tapping of the boots, which is like, and you can actually hear someone at the start of the vine say, "Yeah, go on," as in it started. So you hear the bike say, yeah, go on, and then you hear the, see the boots go... That, that happens in every single Spurs official line there is. Somebody has to say go at the start of it. And it's then so the, badly the, done. The, the, the kind of the, 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 the space between. And then that weird kind of like epileptic zoom in, zoom out on the Loris shirt, which is, I don't know if you've noticed, it like starts on the Tottenham badge. And as I was saying earlier, it's almost like, Daniel Levy is there with the social media team, like grabbing his arm, wrestling the focus down onto the AIA sponsorship. Um, it's, it's car crash, but it has spawned a very good hashtag that you should check out on Twitter, which is hashtag Vine Like Spurs Official, um, which, yeah, is uh, there's some some very, very funny entries in there, which you should have a look at. Did you just, did you just shake the camera around like you're filming Cloverfield? Yeah, basically, kind of like there's a shirt. There's a few of like shirts hanging up on walls, and you know, people like prodding. Inst- no, I don't know, just prodding. Just watch it. Fuck off. Um, yeah, but uh, well, we'll move on to the next game, which is West Bromwich Albion, um, and we are speak. Well, I'm speaking to because Raj couldn't be asked to make it. Um, Nathan Carr. So, welcome back to Rule the Roost, Mr. Nathan Carr, a.k.a. Baggies Galore. How are you doing, mate? Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Jack. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, very well, thank you. Pleasure to be on. Yeah, cheers, mate. Well, as, as you can tell, yeah, you are. You're talking to, to me, Jack, that is. Um, you, had the, you had the pleasure of speaking to, to Raj last time, I believe, didn't you? And it, it was only actually after you found out that he wasn't going to be on it this week that you decided to come back again, wasn't it, I believe? I think, think that that's right. Yeah, it was something about Sherwood, wasn't it? Tim Tim Sherwood, I think. Yeah. Did Did you have a differing opinion, or was it just that Raj was his usual uh, stern self on the on the subject of Sherwood? From what I can vaguely recollect, I think it was it was mainly Raj <laughs> talking a lot about about Sherwood, yeah, and sort of uh, <laughs> castigating him for, yeah. for for much of it, like flagellating himself, rocking back and forth in a corner, that, that kind of thing. That's uh, that's what Tim Show has done to our our supporter base, to be honest, mate. <laughs> but would you, uh, as it stands at the moment, Alan Irvine, 
Is it? Are you in the anyone but Irvine crew, or would would you welcome Tim Sherwood? Um. Well, I've, I've genuinely uh, tried to keep quite open-minded about uh, the whole managerial situation at, at West Brom at the moment. But um, I know I'm aware that there's lots of fans uh, that are on his back, Irvine's back already, mm-hmm. uh, and, and saying things like, you know, he's out of his depth. Uh, look at his resume. He did, you know, he he's not previously successful. He has no top-flight managerial experience. Um, my personal take on it is that. Uh, it, he wasn't really a front runner um, in terms of the candidates that were listed for the job, so it was a surprise in itself that he was even picked. Yeah, Irvine's leapt at the opportunity to um, to join West Brom and better himself, which I understand. Um, but in hindsight, uh, I know it's early days yet. I I think the appointment of Sherwood would have been perhaps a more entertaining and exciting one. Um, I know that. You know, Sherwood's quite unpredictable in his nature and, and, and perhaps he could have caused a bit of friction. And I think the main reason why Sherwood never came to West Brom is because he just wouldn't have fit into the club's ethos, if you know what I mean, because our chairman is likes to um, likes to know that he's working in tandem with a manager that listens to him and respects him and basically just does anything that P says. And I don't think Sherwood would have done that. So... I think that's the main reason why why Sherwood ne- could never negotiate properly. But um, in terms of the Irvine situation, it's it's looking quite bleak at the moment. I mean, see, what's just from from the outsider's perspective, you know, it's, it's four games gone. You've got a you know you've got a more than decent squad there. Um, I mean, why is it at the moment it seems so? I don't know for want of a better word, cataclysmic amongst the the fans at the moment. I mean. There's a, there's a long long old way to go, and you know, you, you've, I know it's not the best start, but you've still got two points. It's not like you've kind of been whipped by every single every single sort of person you've come up against yet. No, no, you're right, you're right, uh, Jack. But I think the thing that's that's annoying fans at the moment is the manner in which we've achieved mm-hmm. those points and the manner in which we've started the season. Because I know it's early days, but from 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 sort of the uh, I know it might be premature to say but from the early stage yeah. of this season Irvine has looked pretty clueless on several fronts in terms of tactics um that's definitely not his strongest point in terms of substitutions that's definitely not his strongest point uh and for me uh, if you point if you appoint as a club if you appoint a sort of a dull uninspiring uh, un, uh, choice as manager you know the results are likely to be dull and uninspiring. So, I just thought the appointment in the first place was a little bit bemusing, and uh, it didn't really make much sense. I mean, I think personally we should give it till Christmas. Uh, he's on a twelve-month rolling contract. He's Irvine, which doesn't exactly fill uh, us with much faith. But give it till Christmas time, uh, and by that point, if he still hasn't moulded this team, which you know you need to give, you need to uh, factor in that we've we've signed a lot of players. We've been yeah. the busiest club in the Premier League. We've got I think eleven or twelve new players to mould these these guys into a you know a fully functional team that's that's going to uh, get results on the pitch. If he hasn't done that, then you know the signs are looking very ominous because. There's been booing after uh, on the Saturday's game. There was uh, after the game there was booing uh, amongst fans, uh, uh, mainly aimed at the at the manager, I think, but also the players. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. Two points early days, only four games gone, but I think it's the manner in which we've gone about our business. Um, and generally, Irvine in interviews, he just he's just. <laughs> 
a little bit clueless to be honest and I think personally um, he's a little bit out of his depth but I you know that could come come back to bite me on the uh, backside no of course I mean what does it say? So you, you say it's the subs and the tactics in particular. Um, just to you know, because obviously the, the 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 point of us having you here is to to get a bit of a an insider look as to uh, what's happening at, at West Brom. So I mean, in terms of your tactics, how how are you stalling out at the moment, and how do you think you could be better sort of employing your your playing staff? Well. Um... If we take the first game against Sunderland, which we drew 2-2 for, uh, for an example, we were leading 2-1. There's about 20 minutes to go. And Irvine, with the help of uh, assistant um, Keith Downing, who has been in for a bit of criticism in South by the supporters at the, at the moment, but that's a separate story. Irv- uh, Irvine apparently received some advice from Downing and the two work together to decide that it is, it's right to bring on the uh, the duo Chris Baird and Claudio Jakob. These two players are naturally defensive-minded. Mm-hmm. So with 2-1 up, they, they throw these on. Um, and what this does is invite pressure from Sunderland onto us. Lo and behold, several minutes later, um, Sunderland go up uh, our end uh, and get a run down the left. Uh, I think the boy... Uh, Patrick Van Aert, he cuts it back and they score 2-2. So that's that's three points turned into one from what I perceived as well as many other fans as poor tactics and again poor subs. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've generally gone with a 4-5-1. Um, he, he, he's he's put uh, Sadio Berahino, who's quite a precocious young talent, have been doing well for England in the 21s. He's put him right winger, uh, and he's not a right winger; he's a striker. Um, and now he, and on Saturday, he's, he, he moved him in gradually uh, up front with Brown a day, who cost us £10 million a club record fee. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I just I don't think he's bringing much innovation into, to the table in terms of tactics. And I just think if you look at his CV, he's been at Sheffield Wednesday. I think he might have got relegated with them. He's, been, he's, he's had experience with Preston. Again, nothing too spectacular there. Uh, and he worked at the Everton Academy. So, you know, you can see where... You, yeah. As a Tottenham fan, you could probably see where we're coming from. We link with a lot of people and Irvine comes out of nowhere. So not impressive so far, but I'll give him a chance until Christmas. Sort of guy that's good in an interview, as a lot of people said about Sherwood, when he kind of, you know, got the Spurs job in the end, as opposed to actually having a CV to back it up. But, uh, I mean, out of interest, because I see you have signed all these players and obviously Spurs famously now last year had our kind of big flop season after signing so many new players um how many of these you, I, I understand this, you know there's a few injuries thus far you know you've notably you're still missing Lescott um but how many of these new players are starting um and do you think that could be anything to do with it at the moment that you're kind of just chucking in a load of new faces all at once yeah, I think I think so. But you know, lots of Premier League clubs uh, that have spent in the transfer window have had to mould newcomers into the team. So I know to a to a greater extent that's the case with us. But um, mm. it's a strange one. It's a really strange one concerning our our, trans, uh, our signings from the summer at the moment because um, basically we've signed a lot of players who aren't fit. 
Um, well, I've, I've deemed not to be fit. Uh, we've, we've signed a few. We scouted the World Cup and brought in the likes of Christian Gamboa, who impressed with Costa Rica. Jason Davidson, who impressed with Australia. Sylvester Varela, on loan from Porto. He impressed with Portugal. Brown mm-hmm. uh, D was part of the Nigerian squad, although didn't, I don't think he, he actually got onto the pitch. But again, he was part of the Nigerian squad at the World Cup. Now, the, these guys, Les Scott as well, he's been nursing injury. We haven't actually seen um, we haven't actually started any of the newcomers really yet, apart from Andre Wisdom at right back and Adi started against Everton. So we haven't, as fans, we haven't actually been been able to see these newcomers. Now, apparently they've been doing their own mini pre-season training sessions um, during the international break as well. Samaras got 45 minutes for Greece, for example. Mm-hmm. He featured as a substitute. We've brought in Sebastian Blanco, the little Argentine. He, he, he came on for a brief cameo against Everton. But... Um, I think, I think when we get these new players fully integrated into the team, hopefully results will come because at the moment I feel that our team's lacking in distinction. It's quite mediocre. It, you know, it, the, the midfield area especially is, is pretty average. Um, and I think we have brought well. I do. I think we've recruited well. It's just really frustrating that at the moment they're perceived as not fit. And I just I wonder how many more weeks we're going to have to wait until they're deemed as as you know fit enough to play because it's quite ambiguous. I don't I don't really understand what what our what our um, physios are classing as fit. You know because yeah. I think other other teams have bought have bought players and they go right into the team and they make a desired impact. Just look at West Ham last night against Hull. They had uh, Valencia in there. They had Sacco in there. These are new guys and mm. they've been they've been incorporated into the li- the lineup. So. You know, Southampton um, are doing an admirable job of it as well. With uh, yeah, come yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. and I, th- I really want to see Lescott as well. Um, really, really want to see him because I think he'll he'll make a wonderful impact uh, in in the heart of the defence. But um, it's just annoying at the moment because he's still nursing an e injury apparently. But I, I don't know if he'll uh, come back in time for Spurs on on Sunday. I was quite jealous when you got him actually. I, I kind of fancied Lescott for for the Spurs team because I don't, I don't think our defence is the strongest either and he's on his day as the old saying goes he's a, he's, he's a pretty uh, pretty handy player but as you're seeing now much as the problem that's blighted his career is injury um, it's funny though because apparently he'd, he'd actually over, overcome his injury his knee injury uh, in time to, to play against his former employers Everton on Saturday um, but uh, there was rumours banded about that him and Stefan Sessegnon and Boaz Mile had some sort of scrap, uh, <laughs> some sort of fight, but I think they were rubbish by the local journalists. But um, yeah, it was really annoying how Lescott was actually reported as fit, but then just didn't play. But um, he'll be a massive booster today. Everyone loves a good fight between teams, don't they? The press just love <laughs> jumping on them, one of those. Yeah. Um, speaking of Sessegnon... Um, how how how's he been performing thus far? Because he he was a player that really has stuck out for you on occasion and looked like a really really handy footballer. Um, yeah, very very mixed, very very mixed. Um, he came in for quite a, a hefty fee uh, by our con- context. Uh, six by our seven mil anyway. was it? Yeah, and at the time that was a club record until ID usurped that uh, in the summer. But he came in, uh, he scored on his debut, ironically against Sunderland. Um, and then he was he was sort of hit by quite a nasty injury, and he missed quite a large chunk of the season. 
uh, under Steve Clark, uh, and then he was sort of a little bit marginalised under Pepe Mal. Didn't get as much game time as he would have liked. But for Sessegnon, for me, he's a player that he really drifts in and out of games. He's, he, he's the epitome of inconsistency for me. He, you know, you've got to give him the ball, and just if he don't, if he doesn't see as, uh, as much of the ball as he'd like to see, he tends to sort of head goes down, becomes frustrated, cuts an isolated figure. So on his day, again, I know it's a it's a cliche. But he can really be unplayable. I've seen Sessegnon absolutely rip teams apart, right? Seriously. But um, at the moment, he's—I I, I don't really know. I, I, he's not—he's uh, not played that much this so far this season, and I don't think he's an Irvine type of player, to be honest. Because if you want tracking back and hard work, I don't think Sessegnon's your man, unfortunately. I think he, he scored a pretty decent goal against us last time, actually, didn't he? At the Hawthorns. I think it was Sessegnon uh, that scored. Was it? Was it? Oh, two. What was that when Bale was still two one? Bale's got one, did he? Potentially, no. Um, I don't know. That's my knowledge. It's great, isn't but it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, um, yeah but so I, I'd, I'd heard well on a, another Spurs podcast I was talking about the other day that uh, something happened with Chris Brunt, your captain. That someone's either they've sent him a tweet or they sent it, they did they send him a physical bullet or something um, cuz he's had a, a, he's kind of fallen out hasn't he quite a bit with the the fans yeah yeah well chris bunt's an, uh, another interesting one um the criticism of him has really come to the fore of late really um and last season there was there was occasional bits of criticism but um basically a west brom fan and a rather silly one may i add has uh recently tweeted uh to chris brunt on his official twitter account um forget something like i don't know the exact wording but something like forget uh being dropped you deserve a bullet to the head which is obviously you know a very inappropriate and stupid comment and it's been deleted uh but the local newspaper around these uh, neck of the woods the birmingham mail they they um they produced just ran a, a produced and ran a, a short article just detailing that a fan had done that. Obviously, a lot of fans reacted badly and said, "I'll get off Chris Brunt's back," you know. And the guy mm. that did it was saying it was just banter. But um, I think there's an added burden on Brunt this season because he is captain um, and he's, expo- he's supposed to lead from the front, but he hasn't really got any leadership qualities um, or he hasn't shown that anyway. So it's it's a little bit confusing why he's actually captain of the club, but. Um, he tend, yeah, at the moment he sort of he's getting away with a starting berth because a he's captain, b uh, he's got this sort of great servant tag, yeah, uh, because he's been here for a long for a long time, and also because he tries hard and you know he tries to make himself available. But personally, in my opinion, he's been really quite poor for a while, and he just can't play left wing. He hasn't got the mobility anymore, and his crossing has gone downhill. So if he's going to play for me, Chris Brunt, he's got to play in the centre. Um, and yeah, and, and and on that as well, and on, on the criticism, um, Ben Foster also, I think he might have tweeted. He cut, he said that the, the West Brom fans that that were giving uh, Brunt stick because he was booed when he was subbed off against Everton on Saturday, uh, they were pathetic. He said, and you know, it's just it's he hasn't created a very nice atmosphere. And he, you know, I thought that the club was was. Um, you know, like, uh, moving on from that in the summer, and there was there was a bit of enthusiasm going around, but uh, now the toxic atmosphere has, has returned, and it's it's not very nice. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a divisive one, that isn't it? I mean, because on on the Brunt subject, we had a similar thing with Michael Dawson, obviously, because you know there's there's a lot of people that were very 
happy to have Dawson in the team at least just because you know he'd been at Spurs for so long and he clearly gave such a shit about the club and about the fans and about the match day experience but you know there was the equally just argument that he couldn't really cut it on the pitch anymore um so that divided fans but in, t- in terms of Foster talking about the fans being pathetic it's it's one of those things I'm 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 completely on the fence about because there, there is there's always that side of me that kind of thinks you know players need to realise that you know they they absorb the adulation of the crowd when they're when they're performing well um, and you know the crowd are, they're paying a hell of a I know it shouldn't be the excuse and everything but they they are paying a lot of money to go and watch these guys play football and you know they lavish them with praise and then at the same time you know if they're if they're not playing well then to an extent obviously i'm not saying people deserve to be told they're going to get a bullet through the head or have like personal threats and things but with booze and a bit of kind of you know raucous kind of light abuse as it were you you kind of think sometimes they need to get over it a bit but then there's that other school of thought that well, you're a supporter and it's not going to really pick up the team's spirits if you are there booing and stuff like that. So it's true. Yeah, true. I, I, we, think, we, yeah. I think you could argue. You could argue, though, that if you're a fan and you pay the money, uh, you're fully entitled to, to voice your opinion, in, 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 I suppose. And in which way you do that is up to you if yeah. you want to boo. I personally think it's counterproductive and it, it, yeah, it doesn't yeah, really yeah. help in generating a good atmosphere. Because we, we had that again when, you know, um, I don't know if you remember uh, Andre Villas-Boas, um, when we... Yeah, when it was basically coming towards the end of his tenure and we were losing 5-0 to everyone, pretty much. Um, he he set, came out and said, you know, the, the fans have been awful, they haven't been behind us, and the players all say the same thing. Mm. And, you know, I can attest to the fact that when I've, when I've been to White Hart Lane um, for such games, I've walked out thinking, like, you know, for fuck's sake, why... What's the point? You can see all the players' heads are down. What is it? And you can see that bloke two rows in front of you, literally like singling out one player and shouting at them. And you know the player can hear them. You know they can hear me. You just think, you know, from like the fifth minute in, you've been like shouting at Carl Walker that he's fucking useless and that he doesn't deserve to wear the shirt and this and that. And you, you just think... How's that going to inspire him? What's yeah? You know, that's not going to inspire most of it, him. To it doesn't, yeah, most of it's most of it's absolutely nonsensical. Yeah. It really is. But um, but then yeah, I know what you're saying exactly. At the same time though, it, you, you turn it the other way around, and that's a guy who you know earns X amount of money, and you know he proportions a lot of his wage to going to watch the football. Given how expensive it is to go and watch football now, and if he feels that yeah, you know, he sees players that aren't putting the effort in you can you can understand it i don't know i read uh, a comment on just just on on that quickly to round it up but uh, i saw a comment on on the west brom facebook page um the other day and it was one blow which i thought he wrapped it up quite quite succinctly and that was just um uh you you put in good performances and we don't boo so you know (laughs) i don't know if if that justifies it but basically put in good performances and you, you know you won't you won't get that sort of abuse but it's interesting. It's an interesting one, but um, so I mean, what 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 is the overall ambition for the season? Because I, I can imagine, like, with signing so many new players, regardless of the the appointment of Irvine, there must have been that that level of optimism that you know we're going to comfortably finish mid table, if not push for Europe here. Because when I do scroll through your team, it, it is it is a strong squad. It's it's one of the stronger kind of you know, no disrespect intended, but one of the stronger kind of mid-table no, team yeah, squads, yeah. Um, I would say. 
Mm. No, yeah. I agree with that. Um, it, well, in terms of season targets, uh, it's looking it's looking quite uh, sort of bad at the moment, isn't it? Really, but um, I guess it's just to survive again. It, it, but it's it's really frustrating because you know we finished eighth, which was a, a record uh, finish for us um, in the Premier League, uh, and we finished eighth under Steve Clark yeah. uh, uh, several seasons ago. And it felt then like we were really building, really, really going somewhere. Uh, we'd had we'd had uh, Roberto Di Matteo. He sort of instigated it and started it off. We then had Roy Hodgson, who of course went on to manage England. He uh, worked wonders and, and really took us up a gear. Steve Clark came in sort of under the radar as a going from an assistant head coach to a full head coach, and he did a tremendous job in the first season, got us to eighth. And then there was even talk of Europe, you know, um, which was which was mind blowing, really, uh, given our, our yo-yo status from that sort of haunted us in the past. Uh, and I don't know. In the second season under Clark, we just completely flopped, and how we didn't how we didn't get relegated last season is beyond me. Um, it really is. We 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 were so so fortunate to to escape, um, and now we're left in a really 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 sort of bleak situation where we've got a manager that no one wants. Uh, a squad which you say is probably one of the better ones in terms of the lower table teams, but um, you know we haven't actually been able to uh, to see half of them yet, so we don't actually we can't comment or judge on how how uh, effective they're going to be. Um, and I just I just uh, I just hope that we can we can survive really because. I know it's it's uh it's a bit boring being stuck in mid-table mediocrity, but I'd sooner have that than than go down. I think, mm. um, but I think the home game coming up, um, I think it's in late September. We've got a home game coming up against Burnley um, at the Hawthorns, and I think that's going to be absolutely huge in terms of um, determining Alan Irvine's. Uh, don't know if he's too strong, but sort of he, he, yeah. his, his immediate future. I think if we win that, then you know, whew, massive sigh of relief. Um, but if if you know if we do if we don't pick up any points from that, um, I think that's that's going to really really stand us in, in in bad stead heading into the festive period because we've got Liverpool and Man United uh, following following that Burnley game. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's, it's interesting that uh, just going back to what you're saying about the momentum how it was building through managers because in a in a certain type of way there's a there's probably quite a few parallels between. Spurs and West Brom in that respect in terms of you know you you kind of built that momentum up (laughs) through the various different managerial appointments you saw these different areas you saw how the team evolved and how it actually got stronger and you actually started to nurture those hopes that actually we can be a European side here Uh, much in the same way that you know Spurs probably came from where you are now up to kind of whatever you know we we sort of danced with the Champions League for a bit and then kind of the, the the real big season we had when we had like the likes of Van der Vaart, a fit Ledley King, we had yep. Gareth Bale, Modric, and people were kind of saying, you know. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spurs could. And yeah, City weren't quite the team they are now, and Chelsea were having a blip, and quite a few was go- quite a lot was going in our favour. In that, like it did with Liverpool last season, where people were kind of starting to think, you know, Spurs could maybe even actually push the title here, but we fell off by the wayside because Harry Redknapp had his head turned by the England manager's job. Um, but it's just kind of it's that it's almost like starting again, and that that probably yeah explains a lot of the fan discontent because we had I mean last year was horrific at Tottenham in terms of fan discontent and you know just a complete feeling of being alienated from the club I've never I've honestly never seen so much disillusion yeah exactly um, the same at West Brom exactly the same at West Brom yeah um really poisonous atmosphere and I know under Sherwood at at, at White Hart Lane it was it was it was quite it was like that wasn't it yeah yeah yeah. it was all I mean infighting booing like you know, Twitter at the best of times, as, as I'm sure you're aware, being a kind of like you know prolific user of it yourself, um, is a is a is a divisive tool um, as much as it can be a unifying one. Um, but last year it was you know it was it was a horrific place to be. Um, the Tottenham Twitter experience was was not good. Nor was you know to be honest, nor was the match day. Um, but, but I think now, under in modern times, I think now uh, in Pochettino, if, if, you know, you've got a really, really, really good manager there, who has an identity, um, who knows how to build a cohesive team, and who will get the best out of players, and actually wants to develop players. Yeah. Uh, case in point, Eric Lamella, for example. Yeah, yeah, it is an interesting one. Um, it's, it's, it's just from the from your perspective, mm. if you care to elaborate any more on it. I mean, how how did you? Did you think he was the right appointment for Spurs? Because I, I personally, I, I wasn't overly convinced. I think I wanted De Boer more, to be honest. And that, a, a, a lot of people weren't too fond on him. Um, but it seemed to be the split between either people wanting De Boer or they wanted Pochettino. Um, and I'm, I'm happy with Pochettino, like you say, for the reasons there. I think one of my only concerns is his kind of lack of a plan B, as people often sort of tend to say, um, about that blighted his time at Southampton, that, you know, when their kind of backs were to the wall, he didn't really switch it up quickly enough. And I, I can't really uh, judge him on anything he's done at Spurs thus far. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't against the appointment of Pochettino, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's quite a good fit, really, Pochettino and, and Spurs. And I think... If you invest time and see it as a long-term uh, in- investment, I think you know the, that will be quite a fruitful relationship because Pochettino, as I said, 
is he's a guy that is ambitious from the outside looking in anyway a guy who's ambitious uh, has an identity um yeah. he came in at Southampton Nigel Adkins obviously um had been sacked and I don't think many Southampton fans really uh, approved of that and he came in and you know under quite uh, hostile not well hostile but you know quite sort of a ne- negative circumstances he made a really really fantastic start and uh and got and got them playing a, a, and winning and in style as well and I think you know he deserved that move to Tottenham um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he juggles the Premier League commitment for you and also the European campaign as well. Um, I think it got it, a few it, people's backs up because under Southampton, he said, oh, I, I couldn't care less about the Europa League. It's just a distraction. And then, then he, he said, did, yeah. yeah. Then he said about if you win the Europa League, <laughs> yeah. you get into the Champions League. Yeah, so he sort of changed his tune on that one a bit this this year. Mm. But yeah, I, I guess it's understandable in that respect. In that you know now you you can get into the Champions League, but um, I don't think that's the be all and end all. I think it would be mm. nice to win the to win the Europa League for winning a European trophy. To be honest, but uh, well, it's, it's nice to be able to talk about it. I suppose yeah, exactly. <laughs> Europa League and you know far far cry from what what we experience. So it's it's funny that because I. Uh, I personally, I, I love European football. I love, I, lo- I love the fact that we're in Europe, whether it's the Champions League or not. But you, you will find a, you know, I'd probably say the majority of fans hate being in the Europa League because they, they always say, oh, it's going to stop us from getting into the top four. But I, I don't know. It's that. It's, com- it's the argument, I, isn't it? Trophies. Yeah, I think what compensates. I think what compensates for the, um, for the, for the perceived sort of hatred for it and the, the whole oh the squad's depleted and the players are tired mm. and it distracts us I think what compensates for that is for the fans it's just you know this dream journey isn't it for Hull oh no Hull Hull aren't in the Europa but you know for because they got knocked out in the playoffs didn't they but um, I think but for sort of Fulham Stoke Birmingham City those sort of teams which are sort of at the same level as us for their fans it must have been brilliant to travel to the likes of Belgium and you know and, and and cheer your team on in the European campaign. Yeah, well, um, just moving to the game, yeah. how, how do you see it playing out? Um, who, who can you see yourself starting with? Uh, what do you mean in terms of personnel? Or, yeah, yeah, uh, personnel-wise. I mean, do you think it'll be um, much unchanged from the last last lineup, or do you think you'll have like the likes of Lescott back in there? Well, I, I'd really like to see... Um, Less got in there, and there's no real reason why he wouldn't be included. Um, would that be over this is, Dawson? This is my, um, this is my, yeah, it would Craig Dawson, but this this is my uh, sort of uh, team that I'd like to see, not necessarily the one that Irvine will pick. But I've just made a note of it. Um, I'd like to see a diamond, which is quite popular at the moment, um, of fostering goal. Uh, Christian Gamboa at right back, the central defensive partnership of Yolian Lescott and Gareth McCauley. Uh, left back Pocca Ganoli um, in the holding position Claudio Jakob because Yusuf Malum was injured he was injured for DR Congo in, in international duty uh, Dorans uh, on the right side of midfield um, Gardner on the uh, left side of midfield Blanco or Sessinon in the uh, playmaker number 10 role and then up front Sadio Berahino and Brown Day. that's the team that I like to see I think that that's probably our best team at the moment it's it's balanced um, and I think it's that's probably the best formation to suit us. Um, I'm not really a big fan of the four-five-one, and I, I hope that we don't employ that on Sunday. Uh, and hopefully, we'll have the likes of uh, Samaras, maybe Varela, uh, uh, Blanco if he doesn't start. Um, 
who else have we got? Um, just trying to, we've signed a lot of players, but yeah, yeah th- those you know the attacking players that we've brought in, um, I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see them come on and try and try and uh, make an impact. Uh, but yeah, I'm sort of expecting the worst to be honest. I think you know I'm genuine. I'm generally quite optimistic uh, person when it comes to the Albion, but I really am expecting the worst here. It's mainly because the way that we've started the season, and I think you're probably gonna you're probably gonna gonna give us quite a good beating. Um, and you know, Alan Irvine's quite a defensive-minded coach, and I think we'll approach it defensively. I remember uh, last season, I think. It- it was we got a draw, a 1-1 draw. We basically just put Matteo Vidra up front and just counter-attacked. But um, I, d- I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you know that's going to be the the method of uh, tactic that we use. Just basically put part the bus, put ten men behind the ball, and then just try and spring a counter-attack when we can. But um, yeah, I just I, I'm not too sure. I'm predicting three-one Spurs. Three-one Spurs, an interesting call. All right, then Nathan. Well, uh, thanks very much for joining us this evening, mate. Again, and no uh, worries. We'll, uh, well, we'll probably speak to you later on in the season as well. Okay, fabulous. Thanks very much for having me on. Cheers. Cheers, Nathan, mate. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Nathan. He's a, he's a, he's a good lad, is Nathan. Um, he's, he's, you, you were a bit heartbroken when he couldn't come on at first, weren't you? Yeah, I enjoyed speaking to him last time. It was a shame I was at work. Um, otherwise, I'd, I'd enjoyed speaking to him. I don't, think the, feeling, to... I don't think the feeling was mutual, mate. He, he sort of <laughs> noticed how he dived in as soon as he found out you weren't going to be be a part of it that's all I'm saying yeah, I think that was it yeah all I'm saying um, no but uh, I mean West Brom are you uh, we've I, I mean I don't want to sound like a wanker but we've got to be comfortable of turning them over don't we uh, they're not in the greatest place in the world so you'd, you'd be hopeful of it But um, they've got a decent squad though they do they've got some decent players yeah they're um, all massive fans of Chris Brunt aren't they so yeah. <laughs> hopefully yeah um, he continues his form from this season, but I mean they've they've not got too many standout players. It's a fairly solid Premier League squad, but I can't I can't pick too many names out that I'd be entirely worried about. In all honesty, um, Sesson Yon's the a, a tricky customer. He is. Uh, So's Barinho, but there, there's not many more. Is it Barinho or Berahinho? I'm not entirely sure. I say that one either. Um, yeah, there's him, and then I'm not entirely convinced by their manager either. The fact that they tied. I don't between, think they are either, mate. <laughs> between him and Tim Sherwood for as long as they did, um, kind of gives you a level they're uh, they're aiming at. I don't think they should have sacked Pepe Melin. All honesty, they could have given him longer. Uh, but as I said, in first half, patience isn't really something that happens in football these no. days, unfortunately. They but, still uh, got their record signing though, Brown a day, who's. You know he's he's yet to break his Premier League duck, and we are the team that likes to gift footballers their kind of you know their either their not their debut goal, but their their first goal or the first goal they've scored in about ten years. We are that team, so I won't rule him out. They signed him for about nine mil in the summer. So his name sounds like a uh, like a government sort of some sort of you know, you know like five a day, brown a day. <laughs> you could come up with something like Brown a day keeps the BMP away or something like that. That's not a bad one, actually. It's no, a sort of like sort of initiative that that that's the word I'm looking like for. Initiative. The, well, it's the sort of thing that like someone like the Tory Party would say. Like, look, we see we're not, we're not racists, really. We're, I'm getting all political again, but you know, hug a hoodie. 
Yeah, Hugger Hoodie or Brown, a, Brown a Day. I'm, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say the the other one that you just said then. But what Hugger Darky? Yeah, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to be offended if you do. Well, I I just it's not about you being offended, mate. So I I I, I find <laughs> you it worried offensive. about somebody. You you worried about somebody clipping the audio and then just taking it out of context and putting it across the internet of you just. I don't think I'm that saying the word darky. <laughs> yeah. Just like putting together one of those, like you know, spliced together kind of clips of "I hate black people." You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, the audio's there now. I can do that. I'll, that's what I'm doing after we finished. That might be quite cool, actually. A cool little remix. Oh, of while, we're, while we're talking about our audio, you can listen to the show now via the website. So when we tweet out the link on that, all we have to do is tweet out one link, and then you'll have the link to iTunes in there. You'll have the link to the web player, which is embedded in the site now, because I spent half a day doing that. And uh, you can download the MP3 direct from there as well, since we've redesigned the site. So, Badmans. Um, Badmans. You, uh, you can make that day and a half that I spent <laughs> working on that feel like it was worth it and actually use that link from, from here on in. Um, it should hopefully help um, because it's just more organised now. You've seen yeah. you've seen it. If you go to, I think it's spursstatman.com forward slash ruler roost. Um, there's like a page there which has a player which has our entire back catalogue on, so you can listen to all of them if you've got nothing else to do with your life. Uh, and then each time there's an episode that comes out, there'll be an individual article that drops that so it's uh solid it, um it kept me busy for a few days and hopefully it should just make the uh organization of it better rather than us having to i mean last week when i when i did the thing on my own i tweeted i had to do about three different tweets with three different links in it just so that everyone who on different platforms had an opportunity to to click what they wanted but that's uh that's just some admin rather than anything else <laughs> did you see we got we got tweeted by a uh by a professional fifa player the other day, oh, no, um, he's his name <laughs> is uh, yeah he's he's thirteen and he just he just tweeted, are you connected? Are you as well? Just the letters. Are you connected with Spurs Statman or your own website? Um, and I responded saying Spurs Statman is our boss and he keeps us in his cellar, <laughs> and he just replied cellar. No, I missed that. Quest- He's replied seller question mark, but spelled seller wrong as well. So uh, what, is it, was he expecting basement? And does that was he American or something? Did they not use the word seller? Don't know. They should do. I don't know if I say seller or I think I say basement. Oh my god! Do you say elevator as well? No lift. Lift. It's like sofa and settee as well. I think I say sofa. Oh, I say settee. I always say settee. This is interesting audio anyway. I know, it? isn't it? What do you call your remote uh, control? A remote. I call it a clicker. There you go. A clicker? Yeah, a clicker. clicker are those things out of The Last of Us. Yeah, it passes hey, a clicker. I t- told you I was cooler than you, making these game references. That's fucking dog shit, mate. Um, what? what? Behave yourself. Um, game's is. Uh, yeah. Um, so, let's, let's... Come on, we haven't done it at the start. Let's do a bit of TV. What have you made, mate? Ray Donovan. Get in the car. Get in the car. Um, fucking phenomenal television at the moment. 
I don't think I like it as much as you. I, I mean, oh, I really, fuck you, man. No no, 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 I really enjoy it and I really like it and, and whatnot. And I think it is above average, but uh, you, you, it's your favourite thing in the world at the minute. And I, I don't think I'm at that level with it. Um, I mean, Bridge, yeah, it's because I dislike so many of the characters so passionately. The daughter to. for me, I hate. I, I wanted the daughter to get shot. To be honest, um, that's a spoiler. Are you a, um, are you a woman hater? In that show, especially, even the son's a bit whiny. Him and his weird gay Skype calls with the actor guy just don't make any sort of sense. They just come in like every few episodes so that the guy on the other end of it can pick up his appearance check. There's just the odd thing. I think um, Eddie Marzan's fantastic in it. The brothers, I'm more interested in. Spurs fan as well, Eddie Marzan. Yeah, Eddie Marzan and the guy who plays Bunchy and John Voight, they're interesting. Uh, but the, his, his close family, the three of them, they could, they could die and I wouldn't really care. <laughs> but, um, I, I found like some of the storylines this year as well have kind of been predictable. Um, I mean, there's interesting characters on the periphery that they could do more with, like, um, there's that, that, that blonde lass who's all right, her boyfriend, you know, the weird David Blaine magician guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's not a magician. He's more of a, like, one of those a motivational speaker type people, isn't he? Darren Brown. He, but don't he do some sort of... No, he's one of those, like, like, take control of your life type NLP bollock. Twats. What's that guy called who does uh, I Can Make You... Stop smoking and whatnot. Um, Alan, McKenna. Alan, Alan Carr. <laughs> Paul McKenna. <laughs> Paul McKenna. Yeah, that, that's him. He's one of them. Yeah, but as I say, I enjoy it, but I don't think I'm, I'm entirely there with you. I think what I've been watching, I've got um, I've got Bake Off to watch tonight, which I missed last night. I've got a new episode, a new girl to watch, which I'm really excited about because there's nothing like half an hour with Zoe Deschanel before bedtime to put you in a good mood. Um, well, Ben Gibbard certainly didn't think so. Who's that? See, uh, her old husband. The all this split up now. Death Cab for Cutie. Yeah, yeah, they got divorced oh. a while ago. Oh, I didn't know they were divorced. That's a shame. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and weasel see if she's up for the reboot. I think um, it's got something to do with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think he's, I think he's had his way there, hasn't he? Good lad. Um, he I'll does seem like a good got... lad, doesn't he? Yeah. Have you ever? Um, Don John. Uh, well, of the film, no, no, I haven't seen it actually. I've heard it's really good. Though. I really enjoy. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but the things you did directing it are really uh, interesting. And then the second half, especially, especially good uh, when Julianne Moore comes into it because I think she's fantastic. She almost played like a like her character in Boogie Nights, but about thirty years later. Um, which was interesting. I really enjoyed that. It was just, it was just quite good for a directorial debut. I, uh, I like that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 give Zoe a shout and see if she's got any uh, Indian in her, <laughs> or if she wants any. Uh, if not, if she wants some, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think we've covered that. Is, um, anything? Anything more Spursy? There's not a lot of Spurs to talk about at the moment, is there? Really, mate. Like it just seems like we're kind of. We're just ticking along a bit at the moment with Tottenham. There's this uh, takeover business. That, um, oh yeah, well that is that is quite that's quite quite a big deal, isn't it? What what are your thoughts on it? <laughs> quite a big, yeah. Uh, it just seems like a, a in terms of ownership, it seems like a bit of a sideways step rather than a um, an improvement or anything like that. I mean, 
I've always said no matter who buys us, I'd always, if possible, want to retain Levy if it's an option. Um, I think I might be in a minority of people that think that way. Um, but I definitely want him at the club, um, running it over just for continuity f- as much as anything, because Mate, I, I think when you... Yeah, I know I know what he's saying. I think like what's, what's most worrying about this... Um, you know, because a lot of people are kind of, they're getting excited as much as, you know, we've harassed Chelsea and City and the like for spending all this money and stuff over the years. The second there's been a whiff of, you know, whatever these lot are, Kane Hoy, um, you know, with Guggenheim money and Rothschild money apparently behind them, who are, you know, potentially some of like the worst human beings on the face of the planet. Um, just hastening to add that. That you know that this is somehow going to be some exercise in us suddenly now spending all this money and becoming you know a front runner for the league, uh, you know, Alaman City or something like that. But it's just that's not going to happen anymore. Like like Rob Brown was saying the other day, it's almost like the uh, the drawbridge has been pulled shut on that. Financial fair play is is an actual thing now. Like financial fair play is something that they are policing. Um, as QPR are finding, as Man City have found recently. Um, and also added to the fact is that the guys that are buying us, it's not like a Sheikh who, you know, whatever you want to say about Mansour, one thing you can give him is that he's not building, he is essentially building Man City for whatever, for the, for the, you can, you can talk about kind of like the murkier side of it, the political thing, like legitimizing whatever murky deals and stuff he pulls off on the side but in terms of his involvement with City it's to just make City a better football club that's his ambition there whereas as you've seen with like the Glazers it's a folly isn't it well yeah but as as what you've seen with the Glazers and what we you know have seen with Enic that a lot of people don't like is that and what Kane Hoy are is they're an investment company and they are going to be seeking a return on investment now Kane Hoy, if if it's to be believed, you know, some of the people in behind them are who they are, then yeah, they probably have more clout than Enik do. And they're probably not the type of buyer that Enik wants to sell to and didn't ever envisage themselves selling to. I think Enik's grand plan was genuinely to get that well, I shouldn't say was, I'm not talking in the past tense yet, but I think their grand plan is to still get the stadium built and then sell us on for that ridiculous money, that billion pounds or whatever it is that everyone was laughing at before. But it seems now these Kane Hoy lot have triggered whatever it is, some type of hostile takeover in that they are going to be the investment company now to pick up where Enik have left off and put this money into probably, I would say, getting the stadium finished, getting Spurs hopefully back into the Champions League by... I would say chucking more money into wages probably than transfer fees because we're still spending money on transfers. Maybe not so much this summer, but you know we have done. Um, and to try and make, you know try and make Spurs a bit more competitive, and then perhaps sell us onto like that shape kind of figure. But what worries me about this is the substantial outlay that someone like Kane Hoy will have to make in the first place. You know, are they going to be offsetting that? And if they are, is this, you know, this doesn't mean like fiscally are they going to be offsetting that? So are they going to be cutting costs? I just mean more that the type of aggressive overseas marketing, home marketing that we're seeing, initiatives like StubHub, things like the Y word in which fans aren't getting backed because it makes the club look bad. 
this stuff is only in to my mind anyway this stuff's only going to get worse if we have you know a, an investment company in there that cuz that's that's their that's their overall game like they they're an investment they're not coming to make Tottenham a better team they're coming to make themselves money and i think that's why we need to be cautious of someone like Kane Hoy coming in to take over Tottenham but i don't know that's that's my kind of take on it I'd agree with the fears involved. Um, I think if I was being entirely cynical about it, uh, the point in which they're coming in, I'd, I'd almost view them as a middleman who, as you say, just try and get us over this final line that, that Levy wanted to himself and then sell us on once more. Because I don't think it's going to be a long-term investment for them. I think uh, a couple of points that have filled a few people with uh, quite a bit of positivity towards it are the fact that they've got some sort of investment involved with a, a baseball team in America and they've spent a fair bit with them, apparently. Um, so they've <clears throat> they've experienced sports before and when when they've put money towards any sort of sports teams and Peter Pull automatically, you know, automatically get behind somebody who seems to be willing to to spend a bit of cash and the other one is the fact that one of their board members or the deal broker or whoever he is on the other side is apparently a Tottenham fan with a, a season ticket inside oh, the ground well, so. fucking they all are though do you know what I mean it's such In, bollocks like, like Edgar <laughs> Davids was a Tottenham fan when we signed him was he fuck there's a famous video of Martin Joel like taking a piss out of that as well um, look it up or maybe I'll post out from the roller race I'll probably forget yeah, like I said, then there's, there's, you know, I'm just, I, I wouldn't want it to happen personally. I'd, I'd quite happily see uh, Enoch let them finish what they're they're trying to do in this time and then carry on. I mean, I, I don't understand any sort of ill feeling towards uh, Levy on the whole. Um, obviously, there's there's a couple of standout issues in which he hasn't done too well with. Uh, namely, the you know the stop up of thing and the Stratford wasn't the best idea in the world. Whatever his intentions were behind that, um, you can't really second guess one way or the other whether he actually wanted to go there and tear down the stadium, which I, I still find quite funny. Uh, the fact that they spent four years talking about this Olympic heritage and Levy gave him a document and said, <laughs> tear, down, tear down your Olympic park. It is quite funny, that's really. I mean... I wouldn't have found it funny if he'd actually moved the club in all honesty. No, 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 no. The fact fact that was his his intentions were to burn it all down, melt it down and (laughs) just kind of make it a a cheaper way. And there's obviously the the theory that uh, has has come from some some well well known sources that it's that it was essentially just a, a ploy to, to push the hand of local council and government and whatnot, but you don't really know unless you're in the um unless you're in the room with these people. There was there was those accusations from West Ham that we had private investigators following people and whatnot that, that seemed to be a big story one minute and disappear the next. So there's there's all sorts of mercury around that I mean we're hardly we're hardly the, the cleanest club in the world uh, I don't think anyone is these days but um, I'm just uh, I, th- I think I'm one of those people who's scared of change so <laughs> I wouldn't just want new owners for the sake of having new owners yeah I mean just going back to what you were saying about Enoch I mean I, ca- I can understand the frustration I, I'm I'm a, I, I'm of the same persuasion as you in that I uh, there is there is a large part of me that would quite like a new owner, but it would have to be the right type of owner. 
Um, and at the moment, I don't really know what that is because I, I, I can't really figure out in my own head, if I'm completely honest, what I want to be the next logical step for, for Tottenham. Um, because it, do, it does feel at the moment, um, again, I was, I was chatting to Rob about this, um, that we are at the glass ceiling that a club our size now pre essentially pre ridiculous money. So pre Abramovich, pre Mansour, um, pre financial fair play coming into effect. We've sort of missed the boat on the sugar daddy thing. Like the sugar daddy thing has happened. People have gotten pissed off about it, but that's almost shot themselves in the foot because now it's not going to happen again. Um, and the teams that took advantage of it while they still could are probably going to be strong for for the foreseeable future at least. Um, and for for a club Tottenham size, we're, we're just in a very we're in a very difficult position because you, you, if you look at the likes of kind of Lamella, you look at the likes of Ericsson, and they do start to turn into the type of players that are going to turn us into someone that can break us into the top four consistently, then we're probably going to lose them, which is which is frustrating. Um, so in terms of what would I want from an owner, what's the right type of owner? I don't really know. Like, do I want someone that's going to spend... I, I guess it's someone that's going to be willing to spend money to at least maintain us at the position we're in at the moment without aggressively marketing us and selling our soul, um, which I don't think any are doing so much. They do make their mistakes and things, but I, I do think the, the aggressive marketing needs to wind down a bit. I think, like for example, like announcing the captain at a US-friendly hour, is it takes the piss a bit. You know, It does take the piss, and it's shit like that where Enik really just... They don't do themselves any favours with things like that. You know, and this isn't a knock to, you know, any US listeners, this isn't a knock to, to America or to Americans. But ultimately, you know, the people inside the stadium are, you know, they're English. Tottenham are an English team. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the English Premier League. And, you know, it, really, ultimately, English fans should be, should be coming first in the club psyche. Um, does, that, does that sound really bad? I, I think that sounds really bad, doesn't it? I don't really know I, what I'm I, I don't wish to, to comment on this because I famously don't do well with American audiences as it is. I, I don't so, mean um, that like English fans are, are you know much more special in this and that. It's I'm phrasing it quite poorly. I'm just on a fucking random tangent. But just in that, you know, it, it's an English club essentially. Just announce the fucking captain at lunchtime. Do it at lunchtime. Well, don't don't wait for the maximum impact for the States, you know? Because it just pisses people off. And it, I, I think it patronises an American audience anyway, because they can see through it. And I saw on Twitter plenty of Americans saying, like, why are they fucking doing this anyway? Because it just makes English fans hate us as well. Like, we don't give a shit. There was a um, thing with, to, to bear in mind with what Spurs have out in the open and like, their social media channels and whatnot. Uh, they're not uh, a route in for us fans to, to you know, personalise the club at all. I don't think that's what their their intention is whatsoever. There's no sort of interaction or engagement and any no. sort of level that's there. Um, I remember when we spoke to Roberto earlier on, he, he said as much. He said that, you know, he, he banged his head against the desk as many times trying to, trying to get some sort of 
um, initiatives through in, in, in the capacity he had to try and make it much more of that sort of th- that sort of platform. But it was never what they intended. It's essentially just a glorified marketing tool. So they're never going to really change the way in which they do it because it's just a way to sell brand Tottenham. Um, it's it's nothing else there. The only reason I really follow it is is so that I can keep up to date with news and and if there's a um, a match on and I can't watch it, then it's it's usually the most reliable source for regular updates on the game um, that I, I find useful. So I, if if it, if it weren't for that, I don't think I'd follow it because it's essentially like that's all it does. There's I mean other clubs are slightly more sensible in that they have the, they have separate accounts, so they'll have like a a business account so they'll have like Spurs business or something like that where they tweet out all the sponsor links and what on what not they're doing there which is um which I think saturates it a little bit better but Tottenham want to be seen doing as much as possible for for their uh, their partners uh, so that they can kind of um try and keep a good relationship with them really so I mean I'm 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 as you I was kind of you know how cynical I am towards these these type of things and and football in general these days. I don't think Tottenham are any different than, than most of the clubs in the way in which they try and sell themselves. Um, I mean, if half the clubs below us in the league could tap into the sort of markets that we're attempting to, they would. But they just don't have as much coverage. Um, the fact that we're as big in America as we are with the, the clubs ahead of us, um, it's quite remarkable, really. I think we're doing... We're doing fairly well with with building a fan base over there compared to even City who've bought their own MLS franchise and United and Chelsea who've been going over there for years now to do these these preseason tours and whatnot and and Arsenal who Arsenal seem to be doing I think Arsenal are like massive in Africa um, I think they're like one of the biggest clubs in Africa for some reason they they're very much loved um, but it's it's just strange really it's it's trying to put our flag in the ground before anyone else just to try and gain a fan base and sell some commercial rights and whatnot and get the TV money from over there and get the, the shirt sales and whatnot um, on a very basic sense. I mean, that's I'm not cheapening anybody's support, but I think that's no, that's no. the only reason. that Tottenham, Tottenham view fans, wherever they're from, in the same manner. I mean, whether or not you sat in the stadium or sat in out of Mongolia, if you buy a shirt, you're just 40 quid in the pocket rather than a fan. It's, it's not like they really value your support. They just value the the money that's coming out of your wallet. I'd agree with that. Um, I think, in closing on that, I think if you want, and I'm not going to say like if you're the sort of fan or this or that, but essentially if you want Tottenham to just say, fuck it, this is the status quo now. We, I want us to spend a load of money on. I want us to be a massive club. Kane Hoy is not the answer for that, in my opinion. I think if you welcome Kane Hoy in with open arms, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, if you do want us to be a Man City, you want us to be a Chelsea, I, I, I personally am not of the opinion that these guys are going to be the ones to to do that. I think they're just going to be... It's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? Not becoming a club like that. Um, I think I'd want somewhere in between, to be honest. I wouldn't want uh, somebody who's going to come in and try and aggressively financially dope as heavily as those two have. I think they're another fantastic, really. 
there's a, there's a that's the, the level of investment we're going to be able to get um, when we we slowly starting to build the club. It, well, as you say, with financial fair play, it's not something that over one season we can dramatically increase because it's it's not something that's allowed anymore. Uh, you have to kind of be sensible about it, and it, and it will be a longer term project. Uh, the same amount of money will probably be spent, but it'll be certainly in uh, in fits and starts rather than than lump sums. Um, I can't remember what I was about to say. Then I was about to compare us to somebody, but I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, there was a fantastic article by Matthew Syed the other day about Abramovich because he's been at the club for so long, and you know how many Chelsea fans adore him and what he's done for the club. He, he, he once again reiterated the reasoning why he bought the club and why he's there, and the fact that politically in in Russia he's an outcast. Um, and the the deals he did with the the previous president before Putin with the oil money to to turn that into an oligarchy was um, not entirely above the board whatsoever. And the fact that he bought Chelsea to to place his assets within them was just a way to legitimise his fortune uh, in a public company because then nobody's going to really come after him if he's protected by the. British British business system and whatnot, and, and that's where his assets are are being held. Then uh, it's less easy for the uh, the Russian authorities to come after him and and try and get back any sort of uh, any sort of money that that they may wish to. So there's 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 another story behind that. I'd ha- I'd really not want to become the uh, somebody essentially a, a business in which somebody can launder their money through as he is doing there. So if, if we can find a middle ground between a, a crook and an investment company. I'd be pleased, but uh, as I said before, I'm, I'm not just looking for new owners for the sake of new owners. I mean, it's it's something that's that's beyond really my my enjoyment of a club really speaking nice. so much about about this and, I think the, and having the world speak, yes. the world in which we inhabit, mate. Anyone with money is a crook, so you know, fuck it all. I would, do you know, I I don't know. No, I'm no, I'm not going to say it. Don't I? No, I'm going to say it. Fuck it. There's a part of me that would. Really welcome an FC Hotspur type affair. Not that I don't love because it's I love Tottenham. I love supporting the club. I love going to the matches. But to me, like Premier League football, Champions League, all this, it's cool. It's all right. But I don't know, man. I it's what's the point? Like an FC Hotspur thing, I think would be a bit of a laugh. Do you get the same sort of problems just on a smaller scale? Though I mean, if you look at. Um... Look at a club like Orient who have just been bought over when they used to be a family club. Um, even a club like Huddersfield, I mean, their owner is a is a local man who's got a lot of money and, and pays a lot into the club, Dean Hoyle. But he's essentially just the same. He goes through, he hires and fires managers, and Huddersfield aren't the biggest club in the world. I mean, historically they were they won a few leagues and whatnot, but they're. Um, yeah, but, you, but you look at FC United, AFC Wimbledon. They're they're still owned and run by the fans. Like it's you know it's a democracy democratic process if we can if we could welcome something like that and surely that that's the the ultimate good in ter- you know in terms of a zero hour scenario yeah but i've seen on I've, I've seen i can't i can't put names to the articles or anything but i've seen people write about those two clubs inside and supporters and say that you know people have this idealistic look from outside in that these you know new ways of running a club and they look you know rosy from the outside but once you get in there it's it's a lot of hassle um it's a lot of trouble and obviously you get people disagreeing with each other but now the people that are disagreeing with each other actually have something to say within the actual running of the 
club. So I don't think it's the um, the paradise that uh, it may well be made out to be. It could be the lesser of an evil. But um, I'm not entirely sure the way in which it's going to go. To be honest, the more the more that football becomes this sort of business run thing, I try and avoid as much of that as possible. I mean, my happy place, as you well know, I, I'll start watching rugby, and that's. that's oh, a better one. fuck off! Fuck the egg chasing. If you want a, a, a an honest sport with honest men who earn next to nothing, and the only reason they play it is for the love of the sport, you want to go watch some rugby league. Fuck that shit. Um, so, what's going up on the uh, what's going up on the site this week, mate? Uh, Steve should write something. Um, I might write something, but other than that, there's there's not much. Uh, Rob's concentrating on writing stuff that people pay him for for some reason I don't understand why so he's going to he's going to be writing less and less for us over the, the over the time being but uh, we'll, we'll try what's the, what's the what's the prick doing he's, he's getting paid to write stuff for other people so he's he's got less time on his hands than he who's, used to who's do. paying that fucking bastard I'm not a clue I don't know why I'm being so abusive towards Rob to be honest <laughs> um, no I, I don't know who's paying him I mean I'm, I'm I'm slightly upset that he's he's going elsewhere, but you know, we'll be all right. We'll, we'll survive. Good on him. Good on him. Um, well, yeah, and you can basically go to spursstatman.com slash rule the roost to listen to all of these, but go to spursstatman.com um, to read anything. The site has had a bit of a revamp, as you'll see. Um, nicely done, Raj. Nicely done, mate. And Jack, Jack, Jack built most of it to start. Oh, dear, all right then, JP. Sorry, JP. Yeah, and then I just kind of added the, the finishing touches to it over a couple of days. Um, he did all the the uh, the hard work to start with, and then I did the, <laughs> the more time-consuming uploading of individual photos and podcast episodes and all shit like that and sorting out the formatting of things as my OCD warrants me to do. But it's a very much collaborative effort. So he deserves uh, as much praise for that as I do, if any. He, he fucking he, he avoids me all the time, just JP. <laughs> well, I've never been on a podcast with him at the same time. We need to get him on sometime. You should do. You should do. And just get him just, on. We'll have a we'll have a three way, so to speak. No. What? And fine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're on it. Um. So yeah, do that and follow us at RTRSSM. Also follow JP, um, speaking of the devil, at Spurs Statman. He's been he's been back on form this year. He's been, there's been some good stats coming out, which I've I've quite liked. So I liked his one about Eric Lamella the other day. If Eric Lamella completes his ninety minutes, he will have now played more than he did for the entirety of last season, which is true now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Eric Lamella's played more Premier League minutes than he did for the entirety of last season already. So, yeah, just think about that next time you kind of go on about him flopping last year. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. Good night.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.